Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, my very special guest is Christine Weefy. Christine is a psychotherapist in Beverly Hills and she works at the Pain Psychology Center there and uh, works alongside Dr. Alan Gordon. So thank you, Christine, for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Happy to be here and get a chance to chat with you. So let's go back in time. Where did you grow up and go to college? Let's go back in time. I grew up in a really small town called Simsbury, Connecticut. And when I went to college, I wanted to get as far away as I possibly could. So I came out to Los Angeles on the West Coast. And they were in California, both for my bachelor's and for my master's. So I'm a tried and true Trojan, as they say. And I graduated with my MC. Okay, so you took an interest in psychotherapy and you ended up treating um, lots of patients with chronic pain. So what made you take an interest in this field? So I love that question to it in a somewhat non-traditional way. I actually, like many people do, came out to LA to pursue acting. I was in the School of Theater for a couple of years and I started realizing that the work that I was doing on stage wasn't fulfilling me the way that I thought. What I learned was the part I love about acting is storytelling. So I just started thinking that careers could be more fulfilling and perhaps less vain but still centered around the idea of storytelling and uh, connecting with others. Not to say that all actors are vain, but if you've ever been to LA, there'll be quite a few that you don't want to spend too much time with. To uh, the School of Social Work and started studying therapy. And I realized there are so many overlaps between the two disciplines about other in touch with your emotions. And once I realized that, it was just off to the races. I loved it. Okay, so how did you manage to get alongside Dr. Alan Gordon and work with him down there? So he was a professor at the University of Work where I was studying. And funnily enough, he and I did not have any overlaps in our curriculum. So he was not my professor. There was a mind-body group at the University of Southern California, and I joined it, and he was the leader of the group been talking to there one day. I just was kind of, I was a new student and I was flushing different things out. And he asked me at the time, would you be willing to intern with you for an internship with my center? I work at the pain psychology center. And I was like, ah, I don't, I have no interest in chronic pain. Like, how do I tell this guy? I'm a new student. Like, I don't want to work with chronic pain. I'm in social work. I'm here for like the social justice aspect of it. But I was like a classic PS because I felt like I couldn't say no, like perfect prototype of a chronic pain patient. Said, yeah, sure, I'll interview for him with. 
<laughs> through the interview process, I like completely fell in love with the field, found that I 100% resonated with it. And just from there, I, I opened up all of these doors I didn't even know existed in the realm of social work and in therapy ever since, ever since my internship. Okay. So how long have you been in the field now? About four years. Okay. So you've been in the business four years, helping patients with pain. What are the specific types of services that you would present and provide in your your caseload? Well, the patients that we're seeing are patients who have been through the medical system and most of the time through the medical system for a number of years and many different practitioners and none of the physical or conventional medical treatments have worked for them. So they come to us with no firm diagnosis or cause for the pain itself. So these are people with chronic fatigue, head pain, neck pain, tendinitis, IBS, all of these people with pain in different parts of their body who are saying, I think I've been missing something all of these years, all my body, and I'm still experiencing pain. So we provide psychotherapy services for people with, we call it neural pathway pain, pain goes to pain coming from the structure of their bodies. I love that term neural pathways because it relates to how the brain is the main neural organ in the body or, you know, where all the neurons start or end up and end up, you know, feeding our entire body, our tissues, our bones, the soft tissues in particular. And thus, we have this situation in the medical field where, as you say, you know, people go through the system and nothing can be found. There's nothing organic or structural. And we're left dealing with these neural pathways. And I love the fact that, you know, we've moved on from the concept that it's, you know, not all in your head because patients hate to hear that statement. And it's not all in their head. It's actually in their nerves and in their neural pathways. So um, I love that term. So let's go on. So you've got these patients coming in and they have no real basis for their pain. They don't understand why this is the case. So what are the first steps that you would take to assess this patient? So assuming that they've already done the medical rule outs, assuming that we know that it's safe for us to treat them, we have neural pathway pain. The first thing we need to do is create a common language and understanding for the type of pain that the patient is experiencing. And they say, I'm on board with this idea that the pain might be coming from my brain, that it might be some sort of mind-body disorder, but they don't really know what they're taking the time to break down why that happens, why our brains are capable of generating such incredibly uncomfortable sensations. And our start is helping patients understand that pain is a danger signal. And your signals can be activated in error all of the time through anything that our brains can perceive to be psychologically or emotionally threatening. So our brains can generate pain from anything that we perceive as threatening, from something as small as a test that we're studying for or something to as big as this. So if our brain is perceiving threat, it has the capability of generating pain as a danger signal to warn us. So we understand that the pain is a response to threat input that their brain is taking in their surroundings. Isn't that fascinating, you know, how it doesn't need to really be a dangerous thing. Like going to the days we've got bears and, you know, wild animals around us. And now we've got iPhones, we've got traffic, we've got deadlines, we've got, you know, families to deal with, kids to deal with, situations (laughs) to deal with all the time. And it's these subtle things that just trigger us and 
fire off those limbic system, all those brain pathways up there in the brain that then trigger our pain. And it's truly amazing that this is actually what is going on. And this is what the new neuroscience in the last five, 10 years is pointing towards. And a growing knowledge of this is around the world. And hence, we're here today just to explain, you know, and to discover that this is actually happening in every patient with a chronic pain status. So say you've got your patient, you've explained to them and they're growing in their understanding. You're obviously maybe seeing them for a second, third time and talking about this subject. What are the specific treatments that you would provide as a psychotherapist that would help them to move forward? Great question. So I would say we have a two-pronged approach. We need to help patients change their relationship first of all. And second of all, we have to help patients change their relationship to the fear around the pain, specifically back to the first prong. As you and I were both talking about, it is crazy how bad our brains are at assessing for threat. That worry, stress, and go, 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 and iPhones and emails coming in all of the time, that our brain can be interpreting all of these things as dangerous to an extent that it's as if we were experiencing damage to our body, danger to our bodies, tissue damage, or a pathological disease of some kind. That is point at assessing for threat. So in terms of helping a patient change their relationship to fear in general, we need to help learn fundamentally safe in their bodies. This is often very basic anxiety awareness and anxiety regulation. We found that the second part of this, the second prong, changing the patient's relationship to fear around the pain specifically, to be treated is. We're inherently designed to be afraid of painful sensations in our body. We are wired with physical injury and to be afraid of it. So the process of teaching a patient to attend to painful sensations in their body, assessing that pain as something that's inherently safe and okay and not of danger, it takes a lot of practice and repetition for a patient to be able to do it successfully. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's a big one. You know, it's something that's often present for years and years. And when people move, they have pain and therefore they think, I can't move, therefore I'm not going to move. And that will help me when we know that that really is counter helpful and, you know, we'll actually put them back. And it's so important to really embrace this fear. But, you know, how do you do that? Like, yes, there's the knowledge and you've mentioned anxiety. So say somebody's got lots of anxiety, they've got pain right now, and they're maybe at home and they're listening to this. You know, what's something you could actually share that would maybe just help them to take that notch down a peg or two on the pain scale that would make their life more bearable and, and easier to, to function and move. There's a little bit of nuance to this, but I'm going to explain it as simply as I can so that people can at least understand the general direction that we'd like for them to go. So ended with pain, our natural reaction as humans is to want to escape it. We want to get away from it, or at the very least, we want to cheer our experience. We classify on the treatment end of things, we classify as any behavior that a patient engages in in an effort to mitigate, change, or escape the pain as an avoidant behavior because you are trying to avoid the painful experience, get away from it. It's quite a natural response. Everything you do to get away from the pain, whether it be take an Advil or go get a massage, or if it's back to when you stand up or refuse to sit down, while that's a natural response, 
all of those behaviors are fear responses inherent in the idea that you're afraid of the pain. And every time you engage in one of those behaviors, you are reinforcing the idea to your brain that the pain in and of itself is this, something needs to be avoided. So what we try to help patients do is learn what their avoidance behaviors are and incorporating approach behaviors instead. So an approach behavior would be at its core, closing your eyes, and this is this is part of an approach behavior, close your eyes, attend to the pain in your body, and by attend, I mean pay attention on purpose, and your attention inwards on the pain without ulterior motive to change, reduce, or escape it. So essentially, move away from activities that are meant to escape the pain and move towards activities help patients approach the painful and neutral place. Wow, okay. So let's say they're doing this. So what are they to expect when they actually start to approach this pain? So that technique where you are, again, closing your eyes, really fully attending to the pain. Essentially, it's a mindfulness meditation to the pain sensation. And what I can say is you can expect the unexpected a little bit with somatic tracking because you may think... Yeah, sure, I can do that. I can close because I'm not afraid of it. I'm in pain all day. Sure, I'll give this a try. And I can't tell you how many times during the first experience of somatic, but they open their eyes and say, this is completely overwhelming. I, I, this, this hurts too much or I'm too afraid. And I get it. Even if you have pain, or think that attending to it will scare you. Again, we are wired to be afraid of pain. So when you very first, for the first attention, don't worry if it freaks you out. It's supposed to freak you out. You're wired for it to freak you out. And you need to practice. So the more you practice this, it changes. Yes. The more you practice, it changes. And the safer you feel around the CP. And we don't have patients just completely stop and engaging in avoidant behavior. So we don't tell them, never take an Advil again. Never pain is hurting you. Never go get a massage. We don't drill this down their faces because we think that's a harsh approach that in effect essentially add But what we do tell patients to do is to become aware of their avoidant behaviors and work on helping remind themselves that the sensation is safe before they engage in the avoidant behaviors. So they need to balance it as they go. You can't just engage in an avoidant behavior again. You're going to freak yourself out. And this is all about insourcing safety. Safety around your pain. I love that concept, that term. Um, that people can use to to move forward with this experience. Okay, so is there another approach you'd like to share? I feel to share is that sometimes people, once they classify their pain as psychogenic or neural path, that avoidant behaviors are quote unquote bad or going in the wrong direction, they put pressure on themselves to never get it. Um, and John Sarno, the kind of the father of mind-body medicine, in my opinion, he kind of supports this view. <laughs> when Once you know you have pain, you need to throw out all your Advil and throw out all of your braces and throw out all of the pillows that you use for your butt pain and your back pain. I want patients to know is that approach of white knuckling it through the pain can actually re-traumatize you. And we don't want patients to experience more fear around the sensation, more pressure around the sensation. We want them to feel more calm. So I tell patients, please, 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 
focus on reducing the risk of re-traumatization above all else, taking an Advil or bringing your back pillow to dinner. When you no longer need the Advil or the back pillow, then you no longer need it. But while you need it, it's okay and necessary to need it because it's a means of keeping yourself safe. So don't rush the process. Mm. Yes, I I love that concept. You know, we need to apply self-care or self-love to ourselves in order to heal. A very basic Mm -hmm. spiritual principle and also right through the whole mind-body teachings around the world that we must look after ourselves. So slow down you know, enjoy that cup of coffee, that chat with a friend or whatever they may be doing. And just one step at a time, do things they love and reduce this risk of re-traumatization. Definitely something I've seen in my practice and something I focus on as we go forward in time. Okay. Maybe if you could share just one case that maybe comes to mind, and maybe a little bit of background of the, the case and then the outcomes from taking these types of treatments and approaches, obviously keeping names confidential. Um, it'd be great to hear a story like that. I will tell you about a patient I recently worked with, Tom. It's not his real name. Tom was like a mid 20 year old guy who had pain in multiple places in his body. At least one part of his body was hurting at all times, but he particularly struggled with wrist pain. And his wrist pain, he had to drop out of college and take a medical leave of absence because he couldn't write, he couldn't use a pen, he couldn't type, he couldn't use a computer, he couldn't more generalized so that any use of his hands his brain was perceiving as dangerous to him and was creating pain. He couldn't pick up a phone to his head. Like literally he couldn't do anything with his hands. He couldn't cook. He couldn't clean. He had to move back in with his parents. And the reason anyone that I'm working with that I've worked with as of, as of late is because if you were to just ask someone, how are you doing? And they told you oh, my hand, you wouldn't necessarily think life altering illness because the experience is so painful. Think about all of the things throughout your day that you can no longer do. For this guy that he was so smart and he had so much going for him and he had lots of friends and he would say, my friends just don't get it. They ask how I'm doing. And I say, my hair's like, cool. Can you still come hang out? He was just such a, a good example of chronic pain is so isolated. It affects every part of your life. Anyway, I worked with him for a month, probably only a month and a half, and we went really hard of treatment where I was saying we um, changed the fear around the pain. So I was having him come in with different activities that actually holding his phone, texting, typing, writing. We did push-ups. We did push-ups together in my office. And as we were doing these, I had him stay in a state of calm, keeping him regulated. We would, of course, need to take breaks, calm him down, do some meditation, the triggering activity, helping him essentially reassess the sensations in his hand as safe, even though they were hurting him, why in activities that scared him and caused him pain. That's what he practiced in between sessions. And he worked really, really hard, lots of exposure and repetition. And after a month and a half, he was like, I'm reapplying to college. I'm getting that six weeks can so drastically change the, the, just the quality of life. He was awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that inspirational story. So true. So many patients find these types of results when they embrace, you know, their fear and conflict around this subject. So thanks for that. 
just one slightly bigger question, as it were. Um, what is the biggest challenge you feel is in pain management right now? I think what we're up against is quite simply limited research and that treating pain from a, from a brain-based perspective, from a mind-body connection works. I think they will go on and on and tell all their friends and their family, no practitioners could help me until I to this field. And then it all makes sense. And they'll say, why don't more people know about this? And I think know about it and practitioners who specialize in it know about it. The medical field at large is just not going to take us seriously that this is working. So I think our biggest challenge is just getting that, that research done that can match the standard of care that all medical practitioners are providing. Yes, I agree. I agree. So what would you like to share that we haven't covered so far? My colleague and I, Alan, we are just finishing up a research study that was being conducted out of Boulder. We had um, Tor Wager, who's an awesome neuroscientist, helping us with that study out there. And I highly suggest not committing to running a research study in Boulder, Colorado, because he and I are treating our patients in LA two days a week and then flying to Colorado to treat our Boulder we really wanted to get this study done. So I just wanted to let people know that just to provide a little bit of hope to where I said the biggest challenge was, the study that we were working on actually took fMRI scans of the patient's brain and chronic pain affected brain activity. And we're really excited to share those results as soon as we can next year. Well, I look forward to hearing about the results. And uh, thank you for your you know, commitment to research in this field and you know your commitment in your career to help these patients which are many 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 about a third of our population we know has got chronic pain so thank you so much just to wrap up uh, where can our audience go to learn more about you so you can learn more about our company at our website and me and one of my colleagues put a lot of this information out on youtube actually uh, under the channel things and stuff with us you can find us on our channel there okay well thank you so much um it's been a great uh, show and um, maybe look forward to following up with you in, in the future with some of these results of your studies. So thanks and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for your commitment to bringing so many different uh, disciplines together in conversation. We all have the same goal and I love that you're doing this. So thank you. Thanks, Christy. Bye for now.